0: Like, Tanya, you have to sit down and regroup. Like, what next? What does this mean? Now that you don't have this guaranteed 65000 coming in every year, what are you going to do? Sometimes you just have to get quiet, create something that holds you over, and then create a strategy to work from there.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is Tanya Rapley. Tanya is a nationally recognized millennial money expert and founder of the award-winning website My Fab Finance. She has graced the cover of Black Enterprise Magazine and was deemed the new face of wealth building. She was also selected as a modern history maker by TV One and has been recognized as one of the top 10 most influential women in personal finance on Twitter. Her mission is to help millennial women break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and own their power. Because of her relatable personality and fabulous flair, Tanya is a highly sought-after media personality. Her work has been featured in Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Ebony, and on Centric TV. Tanya's expertise has also been recognized by popular media outlets such as Forbes, The New York Daily News, Yahoo Finance, and Market Watch. As a writer, Tanya has also contributed to Credit.com, BuzzFeed, and TheRoot.com, making a powerful influence on the financial lives of millennials. On this episode, you'll learn how Tanya went from crying tears of frustration at work to branching out on her own as a personal finance coach and entrepreneur. Before we chat with Tanya, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be one of the most challenging tasks for any business owner. Although there's no blueprint to finding the perfect team, there is one website that can simplify the recruiting process and make your life easier. So if you're looking to hire top talent for your business and take it to the next level, go to ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Let ZipRecruiter's powerful technology match your job to the right candidates and use their simple dashboard to find the right hire. Then, easily select the best candidates from one list. 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter gets a qualified candidate in just one day. And over 1 million businesses have already used ZipRecruiter. And now my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. Now let's get into the convo. So welcome to the guest chair, Tanya. Thank you. So I just finished reading your awesome bio, but I always like to ask nowadays, in your own words, who is Tanya Rapley and what does she do?
0: Uh, Tanya Rapley is a multi-passionate change agent who um, is committed to transforming communities by transforming lives. And um, I'm committed to, I, I guess you could say I'm a freedom fighter essentially fighting for people's freedom economically and fighting for their freedom to live lives they love and to break free of the chains that I feel like we learned growing up that prevents us from actually living those lives we love.
1: Yes, I love that. So how do you think your own upbringing and education and work experience supported your path to becoming the Tanya Rapley now of MyFab Finance?
0: Oh, you know, when I think about it, I... I I wouldn't say my education directly, but I would say the fact that both my parents were in the military. And so because of growing up in the military, you know, I frequently moved around to new cities and had to make friends um, over and over again. And because of that, I began to lose fear. Uh, I, I wasn't I'm not fearful of starting over. I've moved several times in my adult life, went to college in Miami, then moved to New York for Miami, um, moved to um, Los Angeles most recently, and I'm not afraid of starting over. And I think that that's been the most education. I think when you're starting a business, you can sit in classes and everything and they can tell you about, you know, um, accounts payable and managing your books and marketing, but you learn so much on the go and actually on the job while you're doing the work. So I would say life skills were the most valuable things that I learned coming up entrepreneur and definitely being flexible, because as you probably already know, and as you will find out even more, uh, it, it's about being flexible. Uh, you might start out the day with a certain plan. And you're like, OK, the plan is not going that way today. Let's adjust. And so I, I and I'm comfortable being flexible. Like it doesn't knock me off of my core. It's kinda like, okay, all right, so what are we gonna do? We're gonna figure out a solution. So I would say that's the most valuable <laughs> yeah. thing that I've um that I've learned growing up. I mean, and like, you know, grade school, I feel like it taught me how to complete things, like you're working towards a goal and setting those goals, grade school and college and so forth. So also becoming more goal oriented, especially as a Gemini, like I just, um, <laughs> having that deadline, like for myself, I have to be like, okay, like I'm writing a book and I'm like, Tanya, okay, this book has to be done by the last week of January has to be done. Cause otherwise it's going to be like, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. It's so, it's so, it's so. so yeah, being goal oriented as well.
1: And I understand you originally pursued a path in public administration and urban policy. What inspired you to pivot? Like how long did you work in that field?
0: Yeah. So yeah, my undergraduate degree is public administration, and my master's is public policy. And I feel like I kind of got that master's degree when I was working. It was right after the recession. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna go get my master's degree. What makes sense? And it sounded sounded like something I was interested in. But up until that point, I've been doing social justice work and community organizing and community programming. And so I felt like it was gonna take me to the next level. Of being able to affect communities through policy, which doesn't mean that I'm moving away from that. It's just right now in my career, I feel like I'm getting a lot of the on the ground knowledge that I would need to make me a successful policy um, advocate. And so I, I I knew I always wanted to be a change agent. When I started with public administration, my goal was to become a foreign services officer. And we are a long way from there. But I would say at the core, it is creating change and creating change in lives and communities, which is what I'm able to do with my fab finance. So it, you know, I didn't realize it was going to lead me to here, but it did.
1: It did. And so what was your original path coming out of college? Were you based in New York? What kind of work were you doing?
0: So coming out of college, I came out in Florida and in Florida, uh, I was doing um, working in city on city planning, helping with the city plans for um, Miami and a couple of municipalities around Miami, such as Pinecrest and Miami gardens and so forth. So like in college, I was working on these city plans. And then I came out and actually started a music blog. So I came out, uh, moved to North Carolina briefly and could not find a job in public administration. So I ended up becoming a purchasing officer at a seafood company. It's like the most random thing, but it paid my bills. So I was um, placing orders for like, for, I, I know a lot about seafood as a result of this, but like, you know, <laughs> <How> <laughs> I was really? ordering salmon wow. for like all the restaurants in the Southeast. Like, we were bussing food down to Atlanta from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was ordering, I had the special meats category. So I was ordering rabbit and so forth for some of these restaurants. And so I did that for, um, I did that for about eight months, and then I got laid off the week of Thanksgiving, and I had already been planning to move to New York, and I had started a music blog while I was at that job because, of course, ordering seafood was not my passion, so my blog was my passion. <laughs> it, it just wasn't. So I started my music blog and moved up to New York with the goal of connecting with more of the musicians, and I love music. Music is my, like, I would say music is honestly my first love, and so I wanted to be a music supervisor. But that blog wasn't profitable. I had to just break down and get a job. And I worked at the YWCA of Brooklyn. And that was the best thing that could have happened to me because it was there. I started out kind of like in a Peace Corps type of role, but for, um, for domestic individuals. And I ended up moving um, up in that role to becoming the social justice coordinator for like basically Brooklyn, for the YWCA. And it was there that I created economic empowerment programming. And I was like, wait a minute, Um, I'm creating this programming for people and my finances are in shambles. So in order for me to tell people that they need to come to my program, I need to be taking advantage of it myself. And that's where the MyFab Finance journey started at the YWCA.
1: That's so interesting. And I love, you know, when we can sit and look back and connect the dots because One of the things you talk about in your on your side and in a lot of your talks is that you don't come from this from a place of like, oh, I was always perfect at personal finance. You come from a place of, you know, being embarrassed and not making all the right decisions and being able to talk to people about that now and say, like, hey, you can actually bounce back from some bad decisions. So. Talk yeah. to us about what my fab finance was in its first iteration. So it was a blog. Um, <laughs> were you making money off of it from the start? I'm glad you asked that because I was figuring it out. Like my fab finance started out as um, we're gonna write about
0: money and see what happens. And I'm gonna actually start out as my accountability partner. I was like, I want to improve my credit. I want to hold myself accountable. I'm gonna tell the internet about it, but I'm gonna share. It was like um, it was like my diary kind of sharing what I was learning how people coming from out of town to visit was a budget buster for me um, and just different things like that. And so I was, it wasn't profitable initially. And I'm happy you did say that, um, you know, me coming from that background because initially I had imposter syndrome. I was like, who's gonna listen to me talk about money? I guess I just have to talk about what I'm doing with my money because I don't have a money background. I don't have any degrees or certifications in finance. So people are not gonna listen to what I have to say. But then I started to share it from the perspective of someone who was learning and sharing what I was learning and breaking down these topics that I felt were, it went over the heads of a lot of my peers and like, okay, no, this is, it's not that hard. And this is actually how you do it. And this is how it works. And it started to grow from there. My fat finance was not profitable. I would say until, um, around the Black Enterprise, which happened in October, 2014. So I started my MyFab Finance in January of 2013. It was just kind of a hobby. And then in June of 2013, I was traveling in Paris and London with my sister and her mother. And I was the YWCA. I loved the job, but it was also a toxic environment. Um, so I was dealing with a lot of issues there um, with my supervisors, with colleagues and so forth. And I had a hard time getting time off to go on vacation. And I was like, I want to be able to go where I want, when I want. And a lot, I just turned my attention to bloggers who were traveling around the world, making money and living. And I was like, I'm going to do that with my fat finance. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. So I just started studying everything that I could to turn my fat finance profitable. And ended up devising this thousand dollar a month plan where I was gonna bring in at least a thousand dollar in revenue for my from my Finance monthly. And that started with writing for other outlets and so forth. And then I started doing some advertising on the site. But to this day, advertising dollars are not a it's not a big revenue generator for my Finance. I look at MyFabFinance Finance as kind of my business card and my credibility booster and a place to showcase the work that I've done. But everything is more so the things and the revenue streams around it versus the actual blog that generates money for me. Got um, it. And it was structured. It was structured that way intentionally because I said, music is my first love. I'm a Gemini. I have so many passions. Like right now i am learning how to skate. I have so many <laughs> passions and I was skate.
1: like, I don't
0: know. No, roller skate. I really, you know what, Kayla, like I really want to be like that lady, that old lady in the roller skating rink, like just chilling <laughs> out on her skate. Like I do that in my dream. So I really wanted to be, um, so I, I know that um, there's more for me in store. And I wanted to kind of use my fat finance as a leaping pad into um, entrepreneurship and doing things that I'm passionate about and change agent work. So it was kind of by design that I built revenue streams around it that were flexible and weren't necessarily directly related to the blog.
1: I want to break down that $1,000 a month plan for a second. So when you devise that what was your plan for that? Was it like, okay, I have to make $1,000 a month. I'm going to save this amount and then I'm going to quit my job. Talk to us a little bit more about that.
0: And no, quitting a job was not even per, in the purview because of me coming from a military background. Entrepreneurship was the one thing that kind of scared me as I like, wait. So I got to make my money every single month, like the same amount of money every single month or more so I can sustain myself. And so it was kind of scary. So I just looked at it as side money to achieve my financial goals. Um, so I was building that and that came relatively easy. So, like I said, when Black Enterprise happened, I was already writing for other publications. I love writing. Like that was one of my side hustles in college. I wrote term papers for people and wrote papers for my classmates who didn't enjoy writing. So I loved writing. So, writing for other outlets wasn't difficult for me. But then I started taking on coaching clients. And when I started taking on coaching clients and creating, programs the income skyrocketed from a thousand dollars a month to sometimes five thousand dollars a month i was like oh this is better than what i'm doing you know here when i especially when i was at the ywc i was like this i'm actually doing better than i was doing there and so um after i started to achieve some of my financial goals and realized that oh you can actually do this consistently tanya that's when i started to put money aside and save it because um I, I knew it was getting time for me that I could not cheat my job and continue to do my Fab finance and work my job. Cause I ended up going somewhere else that was a lot more flexible than my previous place of employment, had amazing benefits, amazing professional development programs. And they were just like, Hey, you need to take Friday off for a speaking engagement. Cool. All right. So, and so, and so like, they were just so easygoing. And so I went there to help me transition into working for my, myself full time. But I, also, I realized I was doing them a disservice because they were such good people. And I would be at work writing on my blog and like stepping out and taking oh, phone calls. No. <laughs> and like it was, it was just like tacky. And yeah. my parents taught me to do everything with integrity. And I was like, you know what? I, this, this is not going to end well and they're not going to think favorably of me if I stay here. And so I just designed my, my flight fund, I call it, and um, started putting away all the money that I was making from my Fed Finance into a savings account.
1: One thing you touched on the the Black Enterprise thing. That's an interesting story, right? Because you didn't expect that. So tell us a little bit more about that. You got an interview with Black Enterprise and then what happened? Oh
0: my gosh. I was no, that was and that was it, there's so many valuable lessons in that. Um, but yeah, so they um, one of my colleagues, Tiffany Bajanista had reached out to me to let me know that they were looking for a millennial to interview. And she was like, girl, I'm not a millennial. Like none of us are millennials. You couldn't take it. You haven't been in there anyway, it's your turn. So I was like, okay, bet. let's do this. So I do the interview and um, they reached out to me and like, hey, Tanya, we wanna get some photos of you because we're gonna feature you prominently in the publication. So I thought that I was gonna be like in the table of contents. I was like, okay, cool. Let me just have my husband take these photos of us on the rooftop in Brooklyn. And I send them over and didn't hear from them until, like, uh, I actually didn't hear anything until one of my friends texted me and she was like, Black Enterprise cover, okay. I was like, what you talking about? Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, and I could tell she was just probably like staring at her phone like, what? She's like, you're on the cover of Black Enterprise. I was like, what? oh my God, like what? So then I downloaded, like I went online and bought the um, electronic copy and everything like that. And um, yeah, that it, it was a total surprise for me. And because it was a total surprise, I learned a valuable lesson about press and exposure. And that is do not pursue exposure until you have your systems ready to capitalize on said exposure. Because a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, I want to be on the news. I want to be on this. I want to have bylines and everything else. And they want people to know about them. But do they really have the systems in place to turn that into money once they come to their platform? Because I didn't. I didn't even have a, a lead magnet set up on MyFab Finance when this happened. So I wasn't collecting email addresses. People were like, of course they see me on the cover. So they're like, she's an expert. Does she coach? I'm like, yes, I coach for Fifty dollars for three sessions, and it was like it was, it was such a valuable lesson on my time, and a valuable lesson on like press and properly utilizing press. Um, but it was also an amazing blessing and a childhood dream realized. So I'm, I'm completely grateful, and it definitely did change my life and help me establish something that will outlive me
1: yeah i didn't realize that you didn't have like even a lead magnet in place or we're collecting emails that is crazy but you i'm so glad you brought that up because it's so interesting it's like one foot in front of the other you know and it's something i fall victim to too where you you see press and you see your peers getting pressed but you're like wait a minute like what am i even selling like, <laughs> right. like what am, am i gonna do when they find me press? yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, it's Nicaela here with a quick word from our sponsors. So it's January, which means you're probably still thinking about how you're going to make this year great. While most people have resolved to go on a diet, hit the gym or call mom more often, I'm all about investing in learning new skills to make 2018 the best year yet. That's where our sponsor Skillshare comes in. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and much more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. Check out some of the classes I've bookmarked, like how to build your perfect website with Squarespace or email marketing with MailChimp, and much more. And just in time for the new year, Skillshare is offering Side Hustle Pro listeners a limited time offer of three months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash HustlePro99. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash HustlePro99 to get three months of Skillshare for only 99 cents. Act now for this special New Year's offer and start learning today. As Side Hustlers, We're in the business of turning our ideas into value. The thing is, we need time to cultivate fresh ideas, which is exactly where our sponsor FreshBooks can help. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for creative professionals that's so straightforward to use. You'll save hours every week and have more time to let your creativity flourish. If that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. I can't cover them all, but sending a branded invoice in under 30 seconds and enabling online payments in two clicks is a good place to start. There's also a new projects feature where you can invite employees or contractors to collaborate and easily share information, files, and updates. If you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all my listeners. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to FreshBooks.com slash SideHustlePro and enter side hustle pro in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now, what were some of the first steps post-Black Enterprise where you were like, OK, I need to get serious about this? You know, I would
0: honestly say it did not hit me that I needed to brand properly and so forth and do that until the following summer. So I kind of was still rolling rolling with the punches. Like I definitely was figuring out how to turn that into more speaking engagements and more opportunities. But I didn't rebrand my Finance until until twenty sixteen. And so I think that during that process I was just looking and learning. And this is important because my Fab Finance was still growing despite me not having a clear understanding of my brand identity, despite me trying to kind of figure out like what my niche was. And I think that so often people get bogged down into the brand identity and their target and their niche and everything that they don't start doing the work. But sometimes you learn who you're supposed to be serving and who receives your brand by actually doing. And so I would say during that time, time, I was actually, yeah, I was testing my concept essentially And I was just trying different things out and figuring out who my information was resonating with. And it was women who looked like me. But, you know, sometimes I've had people who are like, oh, actually, like teenagers receive my information better. Or they think they talk to teenagers and it's actually young adults. Um, And so I I, during that process, it was I was just doing a lot of learning, a lot of surveying my audience, a lot of finding out what they liked, what they didn't like. And then once I knew I was going to stick with it, because, again, Gemini here. So I, I have to like put my feet to the fire. I, I know this about myself. Like I have to put skin in the game before I put dollars behind it because it is so easy for me to go out and buy everything and not follow through. So um, once I realized that, Tanya, you're going to stick with this, that's when I started putting money into bringing on a designer or retainer design, um, redesign my website and redesign my social collateral and um, investing in my team and building my team and investing in like coaches and so forth to really take me to the next level because me not coming from a uh, entrepreneurship background, I didn't really know what the next level looked like for me. So I invested in others and started to put my money behind developing the brand.
1: So who are some of those people that you invested in and how did you find them? Like, for example, your designers, was that through talking to people or did you use a platform like Upwork and your coach? Is that someone who, you know, was just out there or you knew from a personal recommendation?
0: So my first designer, there's a young lady named Christina. I don't know how I found Christina. She designed my first website. I think I found her on Twitter or something like that. Jessica, actually, I found Jessica who did the current brand identity for My Fab Finance. I found her on Twitter. She was running a special during the holiday season, a logo special, and I was like, "Ooh!" And I've been looking at her work for a while, and I was like, "Ooh, let me hop on this and get my logo done at a discount because My Fab Finance all day." <laughs> and so she ended up doing the logo, and it ended up redesigning the website, the current website we have now. And she's amazing. So I found her on social media. My first assistants, yeah, I found them on Upwork. But for me, Upwork and those platforms—hit or miss—they don't work. Yeah, it's, it's very hit or miss. And so, what I have found, my um, like one of my current assistants, she manages the blog. What I found was that I go into uh, Facebook communities that I'm a part of that specialize in helping, like for women, female entrepreneurs, or for business owners, and I typed in virtual assistant. Because I knew somebody else had to ask the question. And I just read the comments on who people were recommending and then checked out all the websites and ended up finding Barrett, one of my assistants, that way. And she's been fantastic. And then Zakia, she's like my administrative assistant. She found me. So she. This it's been great working with her. Uh, but as far as the coaches, when I first transitioned from working for myself to a full-time entrepreneur, I worked with Raven Jones. At that time, she had the Pink Slip Academy, Fire Your Boss. Academy. So I pink slip prep school. So I worked with Reagan and Raven to do my transitional plan and organize my business offerings and so forth so that I could actually, um, sustain myself on regularly with my business income after leaving my nine nine to five. Um, and then I worked with Maya Elias. Maya has impact one K now, but Maya is amazing. Maya helped me strategize the banish the balance program that I did, which is the uh, the uh, debt elimination challenge that I did for MyFab Finance, where we helped uh, under 5,000 women pay off a quarter million dollars worth of debt in 60 days. So um, that was really wonderful. Um, and then CC Six Figure Chick, worked with Cece on my social media strategy for MyFab Finance and Melissa Kimball, Black Creatives. Both of them are amazing ladies and had different insights to give me on my social media platforms. And then lastly, and most recently, um, my current two coaches are Aurel Moody. He is a uh, founder of the Art of Likeability, but he's also a public speaker. And I, he's my public speaking coach who, like, it's been one of the best investments I've made. Even this morning, I'm preparing for my first keynote in Miami, Florida for youth. I've, like, I've keynoted for adults. But for high schoolers, like high schoolers terrify me because they are so savage. <laughs> like they could be like, man, you suck. Like, and then everybody oh, else get out of here. So, yeah, like I was I've had so much anxiety. So he helped me plan my speech actually just this morning. Um, and I'm so I'm so confident. And to the point where I got off the phone, I was like, I can't wait to give this speech. I am so excited about the lives that are going to be transformed as a result of it. So he's been amazing. And then Julian Gordon is another one of my good friends and coach who I work with on a quarterly basis to structure my plans for the quarter and like how I plan to execute them and move towards them and how they build on each other. So as you can see, I've worked with people throughout my career and um, that's really important, especially for someone like me who feels like I didn't grow up observing entrepreneurs because so often you're like, am I doing this right? But am I doing this right? I'm making Mm -hmm. money, but- Am I going to make money like next year and the year after that? Am I setting myself up to be able to consistently so I can remain an entrepreneur and hire people and go to the next level? And so it's been really important for me to bring people on who can help me see what that next level is and what I need to do to get there. Yes.
1: And thank you for dropping all those names. I will link to them in the show notes. You dropped a gold mine for sure. And we've had Maya in the guest chair. She is awesome.
0: Yes, I love Maya. (laughs) I've known her for so long. And it's so funny how our paths intersected because she used to live in Charlotte and she was like an event photographer. She used to take photos and so forth. And I didn't, we didn't even know like this would be where we are now. So it's it's beautiful to kind of travel that journey with someone.
1: And, you know, speaking of coaches now, I'm in Facebook groups as well. And I see a lot of side hustlers and entrepreneurs struggle with when to invest in help, right? Because you, it's like Ooh. the chicken before the egg dilemma where it's like, okay, you're not making X in your business yet. And yes, If you work with someone, it's in hopes of doing that. But then you also want to be, you know, you want to have fat finances. So how did you Mm -hmm. balance that? Like, when did you invest in all of these people? At what stage were you in?
0: I would say invest in help when you're ready to capitalize on help. It's not necessarily about when you have the money, because you'll always be able to find someone who can help you and meet you where you are financially. But it's about turning that into an investment to where, you are willing to take the action on the lessons and gems that they give you and like how they plan to help you transform your business. Because a lot of times I see a lot of self-help junkies where people move from self-help option to self-help option to self-help option, but they're not actually implementing any of the things they're being told or any of the lessons they're learning from these people. And so for me, it's not about when you have the money to, it's when you have the dedication and the commitment to see through what you're learning. That's when it's time to invest.
1: Amen. Now, when did you actually quit your job and walk us through what happened next? September
0: 13th. I no, it was not September 13th, September 5th, 2016 is when I resigned from my job and I intentionally resigned from my job on the weekend of the Beyonce concert at Made in America. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I'm going to go celebrate with Beyonce. I'm going to celebrate my freedom with her. And um, leading up to resigning from my job. So I enjoyed my job, but I did work at what was considered like the Ivy Tower of nonprofits. Like we were a well-funded nonprofit. Our executive director was Harvard educated. Um, my boss was a graduate of Brown and now he's at Harvard. So like we're talking like people who were, you know, it, there's a certain air in the office. And me with my, with my like public school degrees. And so um, I felt like oftentimes my ideas weren't appreciated and it got to a point where I felt like I wasn't valued the way I knew I should have been valued, especially with what I was doing with my fab finance. I was like, I am a boss outside of here and I'm in here messing with y'all. And so I had just come from interviewing Russell Simmons and my boss asked me to print out the agendas for the staff meeting when we had, like, we had an assist, uh, intern to do that, like that's intern work. And I was like, no, I just came in from like the biggest interview of my career. And it, I realized that as long as I was working for someone else, they could dictate that what, what I was going to do. So I stepped out the office, called my mom in tears because I was just so mad. I, I don't know if you've ever been so. Oh, upset I, I can when you're totally relate to
1: that the, the demoralizing moments where you're like, "What the f-? like?" Yes, I was like, "He did it? it again. He keeps doing it, mom." Like, went
0: outside was crying. My mom was like, "Quit." I was like, "What?" And this like coming from my military mother, who like all her life just wanted me to have a stable government job. I was like, "Wait, what? Quit?" She was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I've watched you put everything you have into this business." You've grown into this. You know, you're speaking around the country already. You like you have a master's degree. You can go back to work if you need to, but quit. See what it's going to be. And I was like, you know what? OK. And I called my husband. I was like, like I think I'm about to quit. And he was like, uh, OK. And I typed in my letter of resignation that night and resigned the next day and gave him two weeks because I had already been saving my money in my flight fund. So money wasn't necessarily the issue. It was just like me getting the courage to do it. And I resigned, went and celebrated with Beyonce and made in America, got back to New York that Monday and thought that I was going to pop a bottle of champagne on my first day working for myself. It did not go like that. That bottle of champagne sat there unopened for three months because it was like I was faced with the nerves. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Tanya, you are on your own. Like You left your job. And like I was I, I feel like I was coming down from the high. And then anxiety started to set in. I was like, okay, all right, so what are we going to do? It's like when you're writing a book and you're looking at a blank page, like even though I've been doing my fab Finance for, um, I started in 2013, resigned in 2015. And so even though I've been doing it for almost three years, it still felt like I was looking at this blank page and like, okay, what are the first words that I type? What's the first thing that I do as a self-employed individual to make sure that I can remain a self-employed individual? And uh, I reached out to a lot of people during that process. Like, this is not what I thought it was going to be, y'all. Like, I thought I was going to be Floating today and I am a nervous wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it really was like that. I feel like that first week was really talking to a lot of people and strategizing yeah, what I my next steps would be. Yeah, so
1: much to I'm this. sure you're like <laughs> fresh off
0: Right. It's like now you have to sit with your thoughts by yep, like waiting. Yep. But it's been great. It, it really has been great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And how did you start making money? Like once you, you kind of shook yourself, I, I don't know if, if you shook yourself out of the anxiety, but at least we're able to take that next first step. What were the revenue streams in your business at that point? How are you making sure you covered your bills?
0: At that time, uh, and my revenue streams are still pretty similar, just a little stronger in different categories now. Uh, I was doing public speaking, which at that time probably was, we look at like five, um, five revenue streams, and number one being the most profit generating one, five being the least. I would say public speaking was about a four um, when I first resigned. Now public speaking is a one. Um I'm a financial success planner. So I had products that I was selling online. The financial success planner, I was doing one-on-one coaching or taking coaching clients. I was also writing for other outlets. So that was a pretty strong revenue generator. I had consistent clients that I wrote for monthly. And then I was doing influencer work. um, So influencer work, which is partnering with brands who wanted to connect with my audience. The thing about the influencer work, it was kind of inconsistent. It was like, they call you when they need you. Instead of me being able to say, hey, I have this idea, which is what we've been focusing on this year, is like right now public speaking is my number one revenue stream. I would say my master classes are the second um, strongest revenue stream. And I want and influencer agreements are like three. My influence work is number three. And my goal is to flip that so that influencer relationships are just are stronger than my classes so that I can, t- can continue to offer my classes at a discounted rate. And that's the way I look at it. You know, coming from a nonprofit background, I have a heart that wants to give everything away. And I I felt guilty initially when I started my finance charging for things because I was like, but people come to me because their finances are stressed. How am I going to charge? And I felt really guilty about that. So one thing I found that helps is as long as I charge brands top dollar to work with me, I can continue to offer my courses at a reduced rate and still meet my financial goals and meet my bottom line
1: so i want to focus on
0: yes i want to focus on more of that um this year and what i've started doing is i'll turn around and repitch brands so i know a lot of bloggers out there this is a tip for bloggers uh you probably get these emails like hey we have this industry study would you like to talk to our ceo about the findings of this study it's like uh actually no actually, I think you would get more and I'll repitch them and say, actually, I think you'd get more from a collaboration with me. And these are collaborations I've done with brands in the past. Let me know if you want me to send over more information and we can set up a time to talk about it. And so now I've started repitching people who are pitching me and it's been pretty successful.
1: That's awesome. So two things with the public speaking, are you represented by an agency now, or did you just build off of what you learned from your coach and kind of took it from there?
0: Nope. I, you know what? I've, I haven't ever been represented by anything. Um, so in that, that's, I'm, I'm happy you asked that in because even I don't, I don't have PR. I don't have a PR person for my fab finance, my SEO and my moves are my PR. I'm my PR. My actions are my PR, uh, for my fab finance. So yeah, I've never had any PR and relationships. Relationships are really important. Once you, if you establish strong relationships, you'll go far and might not need PR necessarily. And no, I do not have a speaking agent and I was talking to a fellow public speaker at a conference that I was at last November, and he was saying how he had an agent. And I think that some people, if you don't have a strong um, foothold on social media, you might need an agent. But if you are, if you have a pretty decent-sized community and you show up regularly for your community, I don't think that it's necessary to have a speaking agent. Uh, I do have a manager who, now that we've been approached to do more on-air talent opportunities and commercials and sponsorships and spokesperson deals, I have a manager who navigates that for me just so that I don't leave money on the table. And they're more aware of the type of deals that can be worked than I am. So um, that's the only type of representation I have.
1: That's smart. And, you know, I've heard you say you, you had a major deal on the table at one point, right? And then that brand kind of had a PR crisis and oh, when they're and, still and,
0: having one. God. You, have to walk
1: away? you know, how, how did you bounce back from that? Oh, that it's just been
0: like when it happened this year, I was like, Oh my God, now I got to take it off my website
1: completely. Yeah.
0: Um, and it, it, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, and that was that was the biggest um, hurdle I would say I crossed when I went to work for myself was that I had lined up this contract. That was part of the reason I had confidence when I told my boss, like I'm I'm good. I'm going to see Beyonce. It's because I lined up this contract that was valued at like sixty five thousand dollars a year, and that contract essentially was replacing my nine to five income. So anything I did outside of that was supplemental. It was just icing on the cake, which I was already doing things outside of that. So like I, I left, and the first month things were good. Second month, they switched over systems and had a, like, it was just a financial mess. It was a financial mess. It was a PR mess. People were in my comments and my DMs asking me about the brand. And I really did sign on to work with the brand because I felt like their population needed financial education. Like I, my goal was to help them create, have more options by receiving financial education. And, um, I ended up having to sever ties with them. You know, like the marketing person was very understanding. I was like, listen, this is not a good look for me. And I don't want to tarnish my image at all by um, this relationship. And so I was literally sick. I thought I was developing a, I thought I had stomach cancer because I actually was developing an ulcer from the anxiety. I was on vacation. I was checking my DMs regularly. I was checking up on the news and developments regarding it. People were doing like whole news stories and exposés on, on this situation. And, um, I had like, after I let the anxiety subside and went to the emergency room and found out it was an ulcer and not cancer, I was like, Tanya, you have to sit down and regroup. Like, what next? What does this mean? Now that you don't have this guaranteed 65,000 coming in every year, what are you going to do? And um, that goes with that flexibility and being solution-oriented. And so I created the Finance Revamp Bootcamp, which was a financial education camp that would help people organize their finances. um, And it brought in enough revenue to cover me for two months while I really figured out what I was going to do next. And so I had to come up with something quick that would just give me enough time they, they would pay my bills without me dipping in my savings, but give me enough time to figure out what to do next. As a business owner, you feel like, oh, my God, what happens if they get a hold of this? What is this the end of me? And um, sometimes you just have to get quiet, create something that holds you over and then create a strategy to work from there.
1: I'm glad that you were able to make it through to the <laughs> other side. <laughs> it was so stressful. Yeah. And it,
0: I mean, I guess like that relationship, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure people who like follow my story or. Would um or there probably people are gonna be like, oh, who's she talking about? Like they're gonna do research now. <laughs> but yeah, that it, it's really unfortunate, and that's yeah. the thing. Sometimes you never know when you involve yourself with other people and other brands, you never know. Like look at the Obamas; they were co-signing Harvey Weinstein at dinners. You never know what other people have going on. And you never right. know where where their brand or, or or what they're doing outside of the work that you do together. So yeah. it's just really important to keep that in mind as, uh, as far as how you align yourself with people.
1: Mm. So I want to touch on um, a little bit of personal finance one-on-one for entrepreneurs. You know, what are the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs making now that you are out there coaching a lot of them?
0: One of the biggest mistakes I see them making is commingling their finances like a lot of people don't have a business account uh, and they don't have a checking account so they're not paying themselves regularly and like setting aside those percentages and saving money like just because you work for yourself doesn't mean that you shouldn't be saving money it actually means you should actually be saving more money because we know like checks come late people ask for refunds like things happen and so it is important to, to build your savings account and create a separate savings account outside of your business and personal account. And so a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with managing their money just because you manage your money good as a traditional employee doesn't mean you'll manage your money well as an entrepreneur. And that happened to me. I was like, wait, I, this there's money coming from different angles. It's different when you have two checks that come in a month versus you might have one check that comes from here and it covers 25% of your bills. And you have another check that comes from here that covers 33% of your bills and another check that covers 40%. And so it's important to get a handle on that. And I would highly suggest the book Profit First by Mike McAuliffe. That book, changed How I Manage My Finances as a Business Owner. And it can give you way more than I can give you in three minutes.
1: <laughs> but if you could give us something like the keys that we should be focusing on to get financially free, what would that be? Is it the credit score? Is it just focusing on getting that as high as possible? Is it the savings? What would you say?
0: Um, I would say, uh, well, it's two things. It is not watching your expenses as a business owner, because it's very easy to see the next thing and think like, okay, I need to get this. I need to get that. And the subscriptions start to add up. And the next thing you know, you have assistance and everything else and your business becomes more of an expense than it is, like, than the profits you're actually generating. And so it definitely is watching your expenses, auditing your expenses every quarter to make sure that you actually need it, finding out there's a substitute to it or for a way for you to cut back on your business expenses, um, because I, I feel like that's what takes a lot of people under is their business expenses continue to grow. And when you're in a good month and you're having a great month, it doesn't matter, but you start to feel it when it isn't such a good month. So um, definitely monitoring your expenses. Credit is important, but I would say more important than credit is making sure that you have savings. So minimizing your expenses and saving, because like, you, as long as you have savings, you can think clear in the event of a crisis. And uh, I feel like the best decisions don't necessarily come out of crisis and everybody doesn't think well in that mode. And so when you have savings, you extend yourself some grace and a time period to make decisions without the added stress of just not having any money.
1: Absolutely. righty. So now we're going to jump into the lightning round where you'll just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. righty. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the side hustle pro audience?
0: Profit first.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I will link <laughs> to that. Um, number two. What's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
0: Curiosity. Love. I'm, I'm so curious, and I'm always learning. Like I'll, re- I'll pull my phone out and Google immediately. And I think that you always have to be learning as an entrepreneur.
1: Number three. Who is a black woman entrepreneur who you admire?
0: Oh, Rakia Reynolds in Philadelphia. I haven't met her yet. Um, but she's a founder of sky blue media. And I, I like, she's like my Oprah. Like I <laughs> I love her. And I, I just, and yeah, I, I really, really, really admire her, especially as I think about growing a family and she has a family and everything. And yes. what I love is that she's done it on her terms. Like she, at one point she had blue, like a blue streak in her, her natural hair. And, um, she's just, I I, I just love what she represents. So yeah, Rakia. Oh, it's funny. She will be in
1: the guest chair soon too. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) She has to connect us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. So how does one break into and stand out in the personal finance space these days?
0: Be yourself. Um, And especially every, there is an audience who's looking for financial education in the way that you curate it. So be yourself. If you curse, there are people who want financial education for people who curse and they feel like are totally real. Like there's somebody for everybody. So I would honestly say be yourself.
1: Finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck?
0: Your steady paycheck isn't that steady, honestly. Um, Like you could walk into your job tomorrow and not have a job. And that's just, it's like false security. And the beautiful thing about working for yourself is you know what's going on underneath the hood. You have an idea. You can get in front of things quicker. So that job is not as stable as you think it is and don't rely on it.
1: All right. So finally, before we go, what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode?
0: Um, MyFab Finance on all social media platforms. So I am uniformly branded on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as at MyFab Finance. And I regularly communicate with the audience in that manner. So connecting with me on social, definitely. And the contact us page on the website. If there's something that you feel like it's too long to tweet, you can reach out via the contact us page on our website.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today, Tanya. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nikaela. I'm happy we got to do this again. Yes. All righty. And there we have it. This episode was brought to you by FreshBooks. For your free, unrestricted 30-day trial of FreshBooks, visit FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle Pro and enter Side Hustle Pro in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to SideHustlePro.co forward slash SideHustleCorner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at SideHustlePro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.